this will end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling, oh look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle, touchdown! Oh, can you drink? A miracle! Hello, welcome to the Dolphin UK podcast. And lads, Simon just said that we should just repeat the intro every week, shouldn't we? Really, it's uh, another week, another defeat. It's getting a bit spooky now as we approach Halloween, isn't it? Just keep losing every week, um, and in various sort of forms. One week we lose badly. This week it wasn't so bad, I guess. For certain stretches, it probably was. But let's get into it. Um, joined by Sai Lee, as always. Sai, how are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, yeah. like you say, um, it's getting the same story every week, same sort of narrative week after week now, isn't it? But let's try and look on the positive. I think the results are not important now because the season's done from that respect. But let's try and look at the positives and what we can look forward to. Exactly. And we'll kind of try and bring a bit of a, a different take to, to the pod this week. It uh, must be pretty boring if you're listening and we're just miserable every week so let's have a let's have a different chat lee how are you my friend mr positive you're never down are you mate you're always i'm doing, always love bit of football. I'm doing fine i'm doing fine <laughs> i got a, i got a good story of positivity for you from sunday as well later on good that sounds that sounds like it'll be a nice thing to uh, to get to um well obviously 28 30 defeat bit of a roller coaster wasn't it really i think i put the old roller coaster gif out on twitter and that was the Perfect summary, other than the the uh, Jurassic Park, on which everyone looks uh, loves the, uh, the the sunglasses and the pile of shit, which <laughs> occasionally is. But uh, anyway, side takeaways. Hit me with something, mate. Hit me with some positivity. I think Lee mentioned it last week in the fact that the main objective coming out of these games now is to find out whether Tua is the guy, and as we move on in the season. And that's two weeks in a row now where he's played really well. Still think it is too early to say whether he is the guy. I don't think we can get too carried away with, or too carried away, I should say. Yeah, there with, we go. That's the positivity. <laughs> Come on, Sam. <laughs> uh, with the fact that he's done two really good back-to-back performances because uh, we need a longer sample size for that. Um, on the flip side, though, it could all come crashing down next week at Buffalo. But I think it's important not to overreact to potentially what might happen there either, because <laughs> the, the world of Twitter will ultimately think Tua's not going to be that franchise quarterback on the back of um, a performance next week in Buffalo, if it indeed it does come crashing down. So I think we need to keep a sense of perspective. But the takeaway I got from Sunday is that um, I was really, really pleased with the way Tua performed. And I think I mentioned it in our chats, actually. Really impressed with the way he's bouncing back from those god-awful interceptions that he's thrown over the last couple of weeks. He, you couldn't have asked for a better response um, from from that. And the other thing, whilst we're on the Tua theme, you have to remember, in real terms, he's still a rookie because he's played less than 16 games. And if my rookie was playing like that towards the end of a 16-17 game season, then that is exactly what I would want to see from a rookie in inverted commas quarterback. So um, two is on the right path and let's hope it carries on. Yeah, I mean, I, you guys know that I can be uh, slightly sceptical 
of him and uh, don't smile at me like that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but it's just been really good, obviously. I mean, the interceptions are naff. Let's not pretend they're anything else. But uh, on the flip side, you kind of saw Patrick Mahomes have a like an awful week and throw some absolutely abysmal interceptions this week. So it's not just to it happens to the best of them. We've all seen Brady throw you know, just 600 touchdown passes, but also he's made some errors along the way, obviously. So as long as he's learning from them and it's it's just good football, isn't it? There's some good passes in there. The accuracy you can't really argue with. Um, I think there's, I saw some other crazy stat like, so he threw the ball 40 times, take away the two interceptions and all 38 passes were ruled like catchable. There was like a couple of drops and a couple of very good uh, defensive plays to stop those other um, six passes being completed, but 32 out of 40, that's 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 just really good, isn't it? Like, I mean, if you kind of took it completely out of context, you'd be, you know, very, very impressed. And we've seen a lot of positivity from like national media, local media, fans. It, it's starting to just kind of get through that, that this isn't really Tua's issue. It's it's a bit of a wider thing. And, uh, and Lee, I don't know whether you've got any thoughts on that. I think you'll be in the same sort of boat, but it's, it's interesting to see a lot more positivity around to despite the one and six record. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm willing to go a step further than Simon, and, and, and yes, yeah, si- sign me up for at least two more years of tour. Like, to I, I want to give him a good sample size and find out, right? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. tour more years. I know, right? <laughs> there you go. There we go. <laughs> but I, I, I'm willing. I, I've got to find out. I need to know. You know what would be worse than getting the tour pick wrong? would be deciding you've got it wrong before you actually got it wrong. And that would be compounding it, it into, you know, that would just be the worst thing ever. Can you imagine if we had to sit and watch him play for the Texans for the next 12, 15 years and be a top quarterback? Who, yeah. who wants to be part of that? That's, you know, that world. Sorry, I'd rather, I'd rather have Tua play for another two years, then decide he's no good and move on. I can, I can live with that. But I am certainly not of the opinion that, that he, you know, I've never even been of the opinion that he, he was the problem. Um, I, I think it's just bared itself out. Um, I think for all the all the people that, and probably the it's probably more the national media and the, the the Miami media for all the people who want to question Greer and Flores about the tour pick. If if you want to question the tour pick, you also have to question the the decision to jettison Ryan Tannehill because looking back on it, that is a terrible decision because he can win games. It was the team that could not. So if you think that by giving them an extra shot to take a proven commodity, they had a proven commodity. They had they had a guy who could play football and they couldn't fix a team around him. Bringing in Watson doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to get the Sean Watson you've seen in Houston. Because we didn't get the Ryan Tannehill we've seen in Tennessee. There's a lot of factors to that, 100%. But we had every opportunity to put those same pieces around them. Ty, you were coming in, mate. I can't remember. I was going to say, I've lost Sorry. my train of thought, but Sorry. I was effectively agreeing with Lee, actually. That's yes, the right thing remember. to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, if if indeed Tua does get traded in the next week or so, the, the front office are effectively admitting they have failed with that pick um, as as indeed um, we'll see what happens with Noah and Austin Jackson in due course but um, to admit that you've failed in less than a season with your fifth overall pick 
does that not speak volumes for your own self-assessment in a way in terms of I've got this horribly wrong um, I'm going to go in a different direction <coughs> excuse me so you know, actually no no but but actually you know they're still playing Austin Jackson and Austin Jackson has been terrible at times and he's still getting the chance but for some reason we should believe that it's time to fold on onto it. it's just utterly ridiculous the two picks were bad at the weekend yes is he going to make mistakes yes is throwing 38 catchable balls an incredible stat out of 40 passes yes <laughs> like that that is what you want as a quarterback if, if that was someone else if that was Josh Allen doing that with our fans creaming themselves why can't we have a guy who can do that well you did it didn't lead to a win because everything else was bad it was far more bad, you know, that had nothing to do with Tua. I, I, I do think on, on the interceptions, the second one, he's, he, he's got a knock for it. If you're in the grasp, just go down because you're good enough to, to get that back on, on the following down. You've proven that by, you know, with the amount of, of accurate passes you've made. The first one, I was glad that he actually semi-threw somebody else under the bus, like, Yes, he still threw it into a bad place, but you need to be where I expect you to be. Even if you turned into a defender because it's a bad pass, you you can't not be there. There's a really good example in the late game, uh, the sorry, the nine o'clock game between Tampa and Chicago, where Tom Brady lets a ball fly where Mike Evans isn't, hasn't even turned around. And as he turns around, he basically catches it almost by accident, but it's because he was where he was supposed to be. And it's the same with Tua. Tua lets it go before Donald Smith arrives where he's supposed to be. We call that great anticipation when it's caught. And when it's not, for some reason, we're going to blame the quarterback. Like, you know, uh, and, and I don't think he did it in a negative way, but he was able to, to put his point across and say, look, that, that's not just on me. Yeah, okay, maybe maybe wishes he had it back, but he also wishes Donald Smith was where he should be. Yeah, I wish, to be honest, that it was Mike Pazicki that was there. That was a strange... Yeah. Call to put uh, Smythe on that route, despite the fact Smythe's making some good plays, isn't he? Uh, all over the park, but um, but Kaziki's who you want as that yeah. kind of target in that space, if not one of the receivers. On, on the note of his interceptions, people are overanalyzing who was in the wrong spot and why and what where they should have been. And I know it's a matter of opinion, but the fact is, he did throw those interceptions. So to suggest somebody should be in this spot, somebody should be in that spot is irrelevant because you could do that with every play. If even if a player makes a great catch, you could analyze it and say, well, the defender wasn't in the right spot to defend that pass. So to suggest that um, Tua could have completed those passes had they be, the receivers been in the right spot, um, it doesn't really change anything so what if if they were in the wrong spot so he threw a pick and at at the end of the day it's the important thing is how he responds from that as you said Andy everybody throws interceptions all quarterbacks do two is no different it's it's how you respond from that is the key thing yeah and how you eradicate those over time isn't it Um, you know only throws one of those at the weekend you know quite likely we come out with the with the win instead, which is which is the kind of disappointing thing, but it's not like as it's a team thing. It's not just him, and I, and I completely agree on the overanalyzing thing. I think this is a bit. There's a there's a section of Dolphins sort of fandom which loves Tua. There's a section which just wants rid of him. But those of us that are kind of 
in the middle space, it just gets a bit annoying when you overanalyze it and try and say, oh, he can't do any wrong. You know, that that's where it gets a bit annoying. And that's what kind of sometimes puts people off, isn't it? It's that sort of, oh, you know, Waddle was there for like one second before when he moved. And so what? Like, <laughs> you know, just I'm, I'm not going to go you side of putting that in the chat earlier because I know exactly who said that the first time on Twitter. It's fine. But, you know, it's the uh, it's the kind of, yeah, just take the sack. Like, it's just as simple as that, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. That is football. Um but on the let's move away from two then obviously uh sorry i've got one thing before you move on go on go on there's an interesting correlation between when we get a turnover and he instantly throws a pick it's happened a number of times and i don't know what the answer is i'm i'm guessing it's they want to go for the shock play and it's just not working out in that instance i'm fine with them running the ball i actually before he threw that pick on sunday turned to my brother and said i'm handing the ball off here because i just want him to settle down because he's done this before and instantly he threw a pick and like, yeah. you, you know, there, there, there seems to be a bit of a habit there. And I don't know if it's in the play call or, you know, just the sort of um, rush of adrenaline of going yeah. back out on the field quickly. It's that change of position. Oh, yeah, well, that's a good point, isn't it? And the fact that like, you've noticed it and you're saying it here, you would really hope that the coaching staff sees that and addresses it next time. You've just it, got to play it safe for at least a play or two, haven't you? Our change of possession play has never been good. Not 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 for a number of years, even with Fitzpatrick under centre. We if we got the ball in, in an opponent's half off a turnover, often led to a field goal, not touchdowns. It's yeah. I I don't know what it is. It, you know, it's just a, it's just an interesting yeah, and that's kind probably of keeping an eye on going forward. Related to that is the fact that we come out of the locker room in the first half. If we take possession of the ball, we just go down the field and look like you know we could take any de- defense in history apart. Because it's that game script, isn't it? And that that's what's so infuriating is because the second time we get the ball, it's like more often than not three and out, and you're just like, where did that momentum go? Sort of thing, which is incredibly annoying because you can put teams away early doors, can't you? you? We've seen it ourselves. If you go down two, three scores, it's just, you know, it's almost inevitable uh, that you're kind of fighting uphill and it becomes a struggle. So, yeah, interesting point, man. I, I like that a lot. Um, all right, moving on from it then. The, the de- I said we wouldn't go full negative, but we haven't really talked about this in previous weeks. The, the defence has just, just dropped off a bit, hasn't it? And I don't know about you guys, but when they got the ball back with like two minutes left or however long it was, it was almost inevitable that we were going to lose this game. But it was the kind of disappointing way which we did lose it, which was slightly frustrating. Kyle Pitts just, you know, great throw from Matt Ryan, fair play. But that, that there's no, I don't know about you, but I just haven't got any confidence that we're going to stop, make a stop. <laughs> feels like I'm waiting for the opposition's offence to be a bit naff. Otherwise, I've got no faith in the kind of, you know, that the drive's going to peter out. Don't know what you think to that, side. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was clearly obvious Kyle Pitts was going to be a key player on that last drive and they couldn't stop him. Um, so there's not, you know what the strengths are of the opposing team. Um, but to not even get close to stopping them on that final drive was disappointing and it was really easy for the Falcons to go down and kick that winning field goal and that's one of the most disappointing aspects of that and that they're not even make don't seem to be making a fight of it especially at the end of games we saw it with uh, this game on uh, on Sunday we saw it with the previous week with the Jags kicking a last second field goal as well so it's almost it feels as though there's a sense of inevitability about what's going to happen at the end of the game at the moment. Yeah, Lee, your your take, is it something that we're doing wrong? Are we kind of 
mismanaging the game clock at the other end before we hand the ball back to people? What What's going on? Yeah, I mean, I was having that conversation with someone as the game was going on. I was like, you almost wanted the Dolphins to run the ball twice before they threw the touchdown pass just to milk the clock. But at the same time, the offense hasn't been good enough to do to play those sort of games. I, you know, I, I was fully on board with, you just got to put the points on the board and then let it play out. It sucks. But, you know, the kind of is the, is the position you've left yourself in. Um, I think as Tua grows, you're going to be able to see, do more of that, try and run some clock. Um, I think he's good enough to do that. I think we're good enough to do that. It's just showing it on, on more of a consistent basis. Um, as for what's gone wrong with the defense, pff, I have no idea. It, it, it's 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 crazy because we don't seem to play with as much pressure. We don't play as much man as, as we did last year when you know the last two years. Um, I'm not sure if this is if it's a a strictly a play calling thing if it's a a change in philosophy i'd like you know i'd like to think that it's not but you know i'd like to see brian flores take over the play calling the defense and i'm not usually for it as uh, with head coaches we've seen how badly it usually plays out when head coaches take over play calling themselves but this this isn't it this isn't working, so I'd rather try something. Um, I don't know if, if wholesale changes before the trade deadline are necessarily it either, but you know, I, I would rather I would rather play more press like last year. And if we get beat doing that, well, we were getting beat anyway. So let's give it a go and find out. Let let's actually put some pressure on a team to to beat us rather than the other way around. Um, the, definitely, the last two weeks, even in even in London, you know. A lot of the, the Jags drives that, that were stopped were stopped because the Jags messed up. They had nothing to do with us. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, the same that's why I was just the... saying, yeah, because yeah. you're kind of waiting for that offensive uh, mistake, aren't you, instead, which is different. But um, one of our listeners, Colin, kind of tweeted us and said, why did we abandon the defensive run last year? And shows a clip of the, uh, the game. We, look, uh, we, we were uh, playing the Chargers and kind of the... the the, you the know, the defense. moving fronts. Yeah, like why? Why have it's we not been playing at all this year? And do you think that's because we've lost Van Noy? And, and and obviously Van Noy is not the sole reason. But do you think that experience on defense is what we're missing? It's like young guys, and, or is it just a fundamental change in system? I just think, um, and I'm sure I saw a quote from one of the coaches in that they haven't done that as much this year because teams are now prepared for it. And they ran it so successfully last year that when teams need to scheme against the defence, they, they account for that now. So therefore, they're forced to do something different. But you play to your team's strengths, don't you? So if Van, if Van Noy is a strength that's missing, that was a key part of that amoeba defence, then then um, why let him go in the first place? You know, I, I think I'd rather them keep playing it until someone proves they can they can beat yeah. it. And change it, in, change it in game. If you want to change in game and go soft and fine, but well, the, the problem is whatever you're doing now isn't working. So yeah. you might as well get beat the way. At least we were playing well then. We were creating turnovers. We were creating confusion. And even if it just helps the other team beat themselves, that's a positive. If they can figure out how to beat it, no one did last year. That's why it was so successful. But yeah, we, that clip. Yeah, that clip that Colin posted on Twitter made it look as though the defence was so intimidating and a force to be reckoned with 
uh, but you don't see that at all, do you? None, it just none seems of that to be intimidation. Bog there. standard, doesn't it? It's just bog standard. And I've seen the seen the news. We'll come on to that. In a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. I like that news. Um, but it's for, for me, it's a bit. I don't know. It's, it's just it just feels like that. That's part of the reason why people are criticising his coach and stuff. It's you know, and I completely agree with you guys. What you're saying, like why we stopped it when we haven't seen any team sort of come out and beat it, but. It doesn't even have to be every week, does it? Like Matt Ryan's probably going to be able to pick that apart because Matt Ryan's been a good quarterback in the NFL for over 10 years. But the week before against Trevor Lawrence, you know, the, the, against Matt Jones, where is it? It's it's just basic. Go on, Lee. You're going to tell me that Matt Ryan's not a good quarterback, aren't you? I'm going to disagree. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm going to tell you, Matt Ryan couldn't beat it in a Super Bowl, could he? Yeah, yeah, true. On the biggest Very. stage, he couldn't figure it out. Like, if he's figured it out now, great. But at least make it. At least make him prove that he's figured it out. Exactly. exactly. Matt Ryan is a great quarterback. I'm definitely not going to argue with you on it. Thank you. There we go. Um, running game still not there. I'm going to, and there's a good reason I've gone here. But um, <laughs> running game, running game still not fully kind of functional. Is it? Gaskin wasn't bad. 15 attempts, 67 yards. Sort of some nice runs from Gaskin, but um, but, but nothing to blow us away with. Um, uh, but the kind of positive is that Tua is kind of succeeding despite that. But I mean, guys, come on! Like, if we added added a dynamic running back who can catch the ball out the backfield, who knows what might happen? Come on, Ty. <laughs> I think the injury to Malcolm Brown could be a bit of a blessing because God knows why he's actually starting at the moment. Um, it would obviously lead to more of Gaskin and um, the other running back who I know you're dying to mention, Andy, because he's your guy. <laughs> But so that injury to Malcolm Brown might be a blessing in, in order, if only to get Gaskin and, and others more involved. Yeah, I mean, for, for those of you that, oh, I mean, this is going to come out like <laughs> 12 hours afterwards, but uh, Duke Johnson uh, kind of signed to the practice squad. I love Duke Johnson. I think he's one of the most fun college players I've ever watched. And there's like a particular game against Florida State. I, I'm a Florida State fan, for, for those of you who aren't aware, but the and if you go back and watch that 2013-14 season where it's kind of Jameis versus Duke uh, Johnson, really, the two offences are trying to kind of go around like both players. But Duke Johnson's just fantastic out of the backfield, kind of gives you a bit of that, like, dynamic pass catching. And obviously that, that's you know, seven years ago now he's removed from playing for the Hurricanes. But just so we've been crying out for him, when Gaston can catch the ball, we've seen that a couple of, a couple of um, court touchdowns uh, you know in recent weeks but uh, it's just not not quite you're not kind of scared by Gaskin are you don't, don't, correct me if I'm wrong lads but like if, if you've got Gaskin come out the backfield to, to take a pass and, and and do something with it it's not that scary whereas Duke Johnson known pass catching back that's what we've been crying out for might not be an every down sort of guy but to get him on the roster to get him kind of featured if we can and if he's not kind of Five stone overweight, which I imagine you could be after not playing any meaningful football for quite a while. <laughs> I like, I like, I like it, Andy. There had to be a link to Jameis Winston in there. There has, didn't to, be, didn't it? Like, there has to be. Like uh, Jameis did win that game. I should, I should remind us all about <laughs> the, the best college season we've seen from a quarterback, um, maybe the exception of Joe Burrow. But uh, yeah, anyway, good news. So, some someone's decided. Oh, we need a running back who could probably do a bit more than what we've got. And gone and uh, gone and tried to address it at the very least. So that that's an interesting one. I'm saying that he's definitely going to end up with zero carries, <laughs> zero passes caught, and uh, never never kind of makes any impact. But 
some positivity for you. That's what we said we'd bring today. Um, anyone else got anything they want to kind of talk about from, from the game? Anything that they kind of, you know, go on, Si, I think you've got something wrong. Yeah, one thing, I think it's important to get Mike Gesicki under contract as soon as possible. Because again, yet again, that's two weeks in a row now. He's demonstrated he's by far the best, if not one of the top two receivers on this team. And to consider that he could become a, a free agent at the end of the season, they need to wrap him up on a new contract ASAP, I feel. Yeah, I'm happy to kind of... Quinley, you're grinning. Do you got some inside info there or something? No, I haven't. I just, I, I just, I, I don't think it happens. Yeah, I want it to happen. I've, I've got, I, I completely agree with everything you've said, and it 100 should happen. I just, I don't think it does. I've got a bad feeling about it. Yeah. I don't think, he, I don't think he's ever been the exact complete package that they want. I think that's in the back of my mind as well. It's very annoying because if I was like, just give me like five, six year contract and say you're going to play your yeah, and you just you're oh, like one of the top five tight end in, or top five pass catching tight end in the league, no doubt for me. Um, you know, with the ability, with the kind of slow sort of decline you see out of Kittle and Kelsey with their age getting on a bit, that he could be the best pass catching tight end alongside TJ Hawkinson for the next five, six years. But me, it's just uh, I don't know why we're I don't know, we've not done the deal already. It's really frustrating, isn't it? But it's the same thing that happened with Jarvis Landry. Like everyone cried out for it, didn't pay, didn't want to pay in the money. Are we going to go down that route, Lee? Yeah, I think that's where I think. To be honest, I don't, I don't even know if it gets that messy. I think it just gets the end of the season. They don't walk, um, and unless they do something silly in trading before the deadline. I mean, let's be honest. Would it surprise you if we're sellers? No. Um, I say, I just, I just don't. Segue, isn't that's a good segue? I've been trying to hold off on saying anything about it, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, the the, his usage, like we scream out every week. Oh look, how great he is! They need to play him more, and and a week passes, and the same thing happens again. He still doesn't have the most reps. It still looks like the best player on the field, and and we we repeat again next week. Um. Man, like there's a few things which, which are concerning. Um, this the same as with the running backs. We all knew running back was an issue. You know, everyone said they were going after Aaron Jones in free agency. That was never, you know, that wasn't a thing because he was signed before free agency even started. So, you know, you know, everyone knows how desperate I was for a certain running back in the draft. That um, they don't value that position and it's now coming back to bite them the only way to find out if they've learned from this is to get to the off season yeah on, si, you coming in mate I was going to say um, with regards to Mike Yusiki I, I wouldn't say he's necessarily the best receiver on the team but he's definitely in the top one to quote <laughs> a hero of mine what we like um, and for those of you that like a bet uh, last five weeks, Kaziki's like smashed through his catch total and passing yards total. So that's a fairly solid bet if you're looking for it again this weekend where I haven't seen any reason to suspect that uh, our receiver call will be any better uh, in terms of injuries than it has been in recent weeks. Yeah. Did you know he's, he's now fourth all-time in receiving yards um, for the Dolphins behind Randy McMichael, Bruce Hardy and Anthony Fasano? And he's also fourth in Dolphins all-time reception leaders for tight ends with 163 behind, again, 
Um, the same aforementioned Ronnie McMichael, Bruce Hardy and Anthony Fasano. There you go. So it just makes sense to lock him up, doesn't it, really? And, and <laughs> as I, you might disagree with me, any of, any of those guys kind of not a patch on, on his pass catching ability. So in a couple of years, he'll be blowing through all those titles as well. And he, get, and he has a great connection with the guy that I hope is still the quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> you hope. Right. But, you know, if, if if you don't get Watson done and you don't want to and you intend on blowing it up, then don't pay him because you're, you're, you're going to pay to, you're going to pay his prime when you haven't got a settled quarterback. Then what's the point? Yeah. Agreed. So get that done, Chris Greer, and we'll all give you some plaudits uh, for sure. Right. Game balls quickly. Sorry. Who are again? Easy. Lee. Yeah, it's got to be. Performance yeah. is too good. Yeah, uh, we'll make that a uh, trio this week. That's fair enough. Um, right, trade deadline's coming up. We've just talked about that. I've got five players which I think you could make a case for trading before the deadline. I'm going to throw it to you. For I'm going to give you a bit of reason why I think we could we could trade them. I'm going to throw it to you guys to say whether we do or not. I'm going to start with uh, Noah Igbenogany. I think he could be traded. I think they could give up on him. And I think that he's still like that close to the kind of college player that was described as one of the hardest college players to play against um, by Devonta Smith, that they could still eke some value from it. I don't think it's going to be anything more than like a third round pick. But do you kind of capitalise on that when it's clear that we're pretty poor and in need of like boosting in the next draft? So yes or no trade? I would say no, because... The value you get in a trade pick for him would be less than the potential. It's, it's probably worth seeing if that potential materialises because I think that would be worth more than any pick that you might get for him. Even now, almost, what, two years into his career and he's done nothing of any note, I still think, as you say, there's that potential there. So for me, it's probably worth seeing that through uh, for as long as possible before... Um, getting rid, but the, yeah, the value that you get from him isn't isn't worth it. I don't think now you've you've got it's almost worth keeping him on the books. Lee? I would say, Andy, if you phone me up and offer me a third round pick for him, he would. I, I would deliver him to your house myself. <laughs> um, I, I don't think you'll get a third round pick for him is a problem that, because yeah. it, people only know you're giving up on him because there's nothing left for you to work with. Um, so at, at that point, you're you're not. You're not trading for a first round pick. You're trading for a project at best, and let's be honest, a project with very low upside right now um, because the team, tr- you know, trying to give up on him. But let's be honest, we've seen how the equivalent worked out when we took took a first round pick from um, first round pick or second round pick, fourth round pick, whoever he was when we took Limboden from the from the Raiders. Yeah. He, he's no more a polished player now than he was when they drafted him. Yeah, that's a good point. My, my my only guess with the third was more of a kind of, you know, don't have to pay him anything really at all. Plus, um, <laughs> plus, like, for me, there's so many teams that need secondary help in this league that, like, he could start for somebody and, and might, might kind of drastically go vertical in his progression. But there was one nice. of the outlets put out that the, the Seahawks would give us a third for Xavier Howard the other day. So, I mean, <laughs> 
<laughs> in that instance, you're getting incredible value. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that, that's quite, that's a nice, another nice segue, mate. You're just firing segues out everywhere tonight. <laughs> Xavier and Howard is the next one. Um, obviously, X kind of, I don't know if he really wants to be in Miami, but uh, he kind of renegotiated contract in the off-season. One of the best players. You're going to get a solid return for him, even if it is only a third-round pick. That's better than him walking for basically nothing in the off-season. What do we think, Sai? Are you are you looking to get some return on, on X for the player that he is? I think it all depends on whether he's going to walk in the off-season. Um, it's a difficult one, that, because, as I've said on previous podcasts, you want the best players on your team. Um that was said with a potential playoff push in mind, which clearly isn't going to materialise now. And if if the whole thing is going to get blown up and you have to start again, then there would be no point in keeping him on the roster because he's only got a couple of years left at the, at the top level anyway before he turns the wrong side of 30. So in, in that instance, then, yeah, I probably would trade him. Um, but it really depends on other factors like I've said, with regards to is it going to be blown up and um, start again or um, what What are the alternatives to not having him on the roster? Yeah, it could be an interesting one if you lot, if you got rid of him and then just rode with Ibn uh, uh, to trying to finish the season to see what you've got there and then you can choose whether to address corner in the draft again or not next season. Lee? Um, I'm just trying to. I was just trying to pull up Xavier Howard's contract because I thought he was still under contract no matter what. Anyway, he they just they, they agreed to renegotiate it, didn't they? they? Yeah, yeah. And actually, I think that coming off a terrible season, you're probably in a better place to to renegotiate that contract. Let's be honest. He's, he's having an okay year, I suppose. Yeah. He's got a couple of turnovers. They were big turnovers, to be fair. But you're also contributing as part of a defense, which is right now pretty awful. So. Um, I don't know. I, to me, I'm not trading him. Um, if I choose to trade him now, regardless of the fact that we're now one and six, you might as well have just done it in the off season because you could have had the replacement in and maybe, you know, the argument would be we'd be further along with whatever the replacement plan was. I, I one think... Thing go on, no, sorry. Go on, sorry. Go on. Sorry, Andy. I was going to say one thing um, I did wonder was... Uh, with what happened to him renegotiating his contract last off-season on the back of um, the best season of his career, I don't think he's putting himself in a position to do the same again in the next off-season, is he, on the back of what you said, Lee? So hopefully those sorts of shenanigans will will not rematerialise next off-season. Yeah, for me, I've, I've, to be honest, I, I'm probably getting rid at this point. I'm quite happy to kind of move on. Um, I, think, like, I think a team will want a player of his calibre bad enough to kind of overpay for him. I'm not talking overpayers in like multiple first round picks. I think a second round pick is very good value for Xavier Howard at the moment, to be honest. Uh, if you can kind of squeeze that out of a team, great. Get it and just kind of stick it back into the draft next year. Let's if you're gonna if you're gonna burn it down, you might as well. He's probably the best player you're gonna get any return from. So uh, you know, go for it because he's not going to be around when <laughs> when we're kind of on the up again, is he? So that feels like a, a done deal for me. Go on, Lee. I completely, I, I get where you're coming from, but so I've got, I've got a, probably a, a sub question for you. Then, are you, are you keeping the front office and coaching staff? Because are you trusting them to use that second round pick that you're about to acquire for him? 
No, and that's uh, I would have come on to that. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm no, no. It's all right. I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't really see the point in keeping one or either of them. I think you've got. I'm more inclined to give Greer a bit of time. I don't know why, but I always kind of think he's trying to do the right thing. I think Flores just doesn't seem to be quite, you know, uh, just making the right decisions. I've, I've just got doubts across the board there and. You know, um, I just quite like some proven talent, even coordinator or, or, or whatever, uh, head coach. But that, that's just me. I can appreciate a lot of people think, think differently at the moment. So good good one for a debate, probably at, uh, at a later date, depending on how the next couple of weeks go. Next trade candidate, uh, Will Fuller. Don't think you guys are going to disagree too much that he's not done anything in a Dolphin shirt. Probably shouldn't have paid him what he wanted in the first place. Only reason you keep him is if you're going to trade for Deshaun Watson. Is that, is that fair? Uh, Sai, what do you reckon? Get rid, keep? I think you get nothing for him now, I don't think, because he's not playing. Who would want to trade for a receiver that can't see the field? So in which case, you might as well just hang on to him for the rest of the season and sit, just see what happens. I think the, the arguments of getting rid, I think so, it's a bit like... We know other teams are interested in in Will Fuller the player, and if Will Fuller the player's attitude is just crap, which it appears to be in Miami, just shift it. Like again, you're not going to get anything for him, really. But you're not going to get anything for him at the end of the season either. If Green Bay want to come and give me a fifth, sixth round pick, I just got no qualms with sending him that way. Lee, what do you reckon? I'm keeping him. Keeping. I'm, pa- I'm paying the salary anyway. Yeah. Then I'm going to make him play out. You want to sit on the bench? Sit on the bench. So don't. Doesn't bother me, but you know I do think that we're in a, an unfortunate position right now where the in, the injury came off the fact that we couldn't provide decent quarterback play, like that that was off a knuckleball that basically you know a ball that was on the floor that he tried to make something out of. If he leaves it, we're all saying that he's got to do more and he's got to, he's got to make an attempt at it. He's done it and broke broke what is his finger and his hand. So, you know, we're kind of on a high enough. And we also know that, you know, broken bones take six weeks to heal. So just because he was on IR and eligible to return this week, he's not going to return this week. He's got a broken hand. He's a wide receiver. I don't know whether any of you guys watched um, the Coach Friday's presser from yesterday, um, but I watched it and I think it was Omar asked him the question around why don't we see Will Fuller um, at practice even though he's been injured a lot throughout the off-season and he's now, they the media don't see Fuller, yet they see other players just wandering around the sideline or on a bike or whatever. And they, they ask coach, why don't we see Will Fuller doing that? And that just made me think, Andy, you mentioned about his questionable attitude. It, does that mean something, the fact that he's not visible at practice? And Flores actually came back and said, yeah, he's, he's around. Didn't really answer the question properly. Um, but tried to make it sound as though he was around and he said he saw him today. Um, he he also did allude to the fact that Will Fuller isn't going to be available this week, but he's making progress and, and hopes to have him back soon. Um, so we know that he's not going to be this week. But it, I just found it interesting that Omar Kelly had asked that question, I think. Yeah, that's what that, that's quite part of the reason I'm saying. I just Yeah, it just doesn't really seem like he's that invested, but I suppose in a one-year contract, if you pay me $10 million, Dollars and I'm not not that healthy. It doesn't really bother me whether I'm there or not. Also, it doesn't bother me if we're losing or not because you pay you're guaranteed the contract anyway. So the, yeah, you know, yeah. it doesn't really affect me either way. But I would say, you know, I was completely against signing him in the first place. Like, I think it was a terrible decision to sign him, and I think you did it because 
you didn't get any of the other guys that you particularly wanted. And it was, we've got to do this in case the draft blows up in our face. Yeah. You know, but let's be honest, he hasn't played. We drafted a right receiver in the top five and, you know, yeah, it's been okay. So, another interesting stat in the Miami Herald today. So you have Mike Gesicki, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and they, I'm sure they named another receiver that all of those players have not been on the field for one single snap at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, that's that's mm. just a strange. It's such a strange game with injuries, isn't it? It's like you you kind of have to have such good depth, and that's just something the Dolphins don't have. Um, that that brings me on to Parker as well. I know. Think I think both of you guys are keen to to see Parker stay. I think the contract is fine in terms of uh, you know it's not that expensive, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but for me, is it the question has to be asked? Is it time that we just you know it's not it's worked for one season really? Is it time to kind of just part ways? If you can get something for Devante Parker, fine, do it. Um, you know he's been a, he's been a fairly loyal servant. But like, I don't know. Again, a team like Green Bay, I, I keep coming back to Green Bay. They just need receivers, don't they? But a team like that comes in and goes. You know, is a fifth round pick. We'll take him off your hands. Uh, do you kind of? I, I know it's not a lot of value. It doesn't seem like it. But for me, I think there's an argument there because. Just don't don't see him kind of being a sort of focal point of the future. And at the moment, you want to feature Waddle, you want to see what you've got in Preston Williams, you want to see what you can get from kind of Kirk Merritt and Co. And then if not, just go and address it again in the draft next year. So I feel like it could be an argument to move on from Parker. So I agree to a certain extent. I mean, Devontae Parker typifies what the Dolphins wide receiver core looks like at the moment, in that it shows potential, but he's always injured. I mean, you have that with obviously Will Fuller and Preston Williams as well has been sort of tagged with the injury-prone label and they never see the field. So what value is there in keeping him? I think the whole wide receiver core needs a total revamp, if I'm being perfectly honest. So uh, if that um, incorporates a Devante Parker trade, then so be it. But again, he's not really somebody you can rely on to be fit week in, week out anymore. So yeah, get get as much value as you can for him. Lee? I'm keeping him. <laughs> I, I, I've got. If you if you think that the fifth round pick is is the let, let's call it the value of Devontae Parker right now, I don't believe he has a lot of value either. To be honest, I will take the two or three games he might play the rest of the season to help see Tua. I'll invest a fifth round pick in that. And if you want to cut him at the end of the season or let him walk or trade him or do whatever. Fine, I've no problem with it. But I need to know about the quarterback. And to do that, I need the receivers on this team. Because we know what happens when they don't play. It gets real thin real quick. Like, let's be honest, Albert Wilson has been awful. Yeah. Um, it's just, well, he's not even been awful. He's not He's not existed. So he can't be bad if you're not playing. Um, Preston Williams is, you know, non-existent too. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I, I know what you mean, but two is having good games about him. Like it's not. It I know he's. I know he's a better player than what's on the pitch at the moment. But I, I don't know. I just. I just think it's time to, to cut losses and just say, look, you go and enjoy your career. If you go and succeed, fine. You're just not doing it for the Dolphins and uh, and just get some return. I think part of the problem as well is Devontae's always been recognised as an as, as a number one receiver type. But he isn't. He's a number two. Anywhere else you'd put him, he would be number two if you put him with a top flight wide receiver. You stuck him in Tampa before they got everybody. Like he would have been 
he would have been behind Mike Evans. He'd be behind Tyreek Hill. He'd be behind Devontae Adams. He'd be behind Michael Thomas. You know, the, the list go on. He's not a number one. He's a number one by default because we've never put anyone better next to him. You've tried it this year with Will Fuller because I think most people would agree that Fuller is better than Parker as a straight-up player. But, you know, yeah. if you look back on his career as a number two, he's had a good career. And that's what, he, you know, to me, that's what he is. I just, I, I don't, I just think the expectation, because he was he was a first-round pick, yes, but if you play like a, you know, a number two, that's kind of what you are. And I've got no problem with that. You need number twos. There has to be one. I would say, sorry, go on, Andy. Go on. No, I, I was going to move it on, but if you've got another point, hit me with it. I was just going to say, Parker has been average throughout his career. If you think of um, what a normal distribution curve looks like um, for those mathematicians or statisticians, Statistic, those into statistics. Statisticians. Norm, yeah, statisticians. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can picture what a normal distribution curve looks like in that it's like a bell shaped, and that typifies Parker's career, where it was a very slow start and people were writing him off, and then all of a sudden he accelerated and he had that one good season, and now he's coming down that bell curve to the other side. So that is a normal distribution curve, and he's been bang average. He's been normal. Yeah. Yep, uh, I, I, I just think it's time to let go. But anyway, that's a good debate. Uh, last person I've got for you is Emmanuel Ogbar. Um, my feeling is that we should extend him. I don't think we will. I think we've signed, we've got Jalen Phillips. And I think that the coaches, if it's this coach and staff, they'll say Phillips is our, is our number one edge rusher. And we'll look to kind of add a bit of value at that position in the off-season like they did with Shaq Lawson previously. And they'll look to add in the draft again, probably because they like that defensive front. So I think they, they won't extend Ogba. If that's the case, I'm trading Ogba here. Someone like the Chiefs who need defensive help across the board, they can get, you can go back home and know what they'll get from Ogba and it'll be a solid player and improve them. Just go and do it. Why not? That's That's my... That's my fit feeling anyway. Lee, I'll come to you first on this one. Yeah, I'm trading him. Um, I don't think they're going to sign him, so I'm trading him because I don't think this coach, again, a, a position they don't value is pass rusher because they believe it's scheme dependent. So that's why the Patriots don't pay their defensive ends. They always end up getting them back eventually, but usually via a trade, then let them walk again, then they end up back there eventually. Um, I, I, I just think, I, I agree with you, to be honest, that, that, that I don't see them signing him, him to an extension. So take what you can get. Um, but that's just that's just me. So when's his contract? Is this, is this his contract year? Yeah, in which case then, historically, they don't tend to to pay the big money, do they? And if you've got Jalen Phillips as the um, leader in waiting, if you like, in terms of that pass rush, then... Yeah, I agree with Lee. You could see a scenario where they don't sign him, but then until you do, you need to know what you've got in Jalen Phillips first. We all know he's getting better as the season progresses, but he's nowhere near the finished article. So if you take Ogba away, all you've been, all you've got left effectively is Phillips, who's who's nowhere near as polished. So what do you do um, to to give him that support? Um, maybe there's an argument for for keeping Ogba for that. With a with obviously a uh, uh, not too extortionate salary, of course, um, but uh, it, it really depends how they see Phillips. I think. Cornley, 
I just gonna say to, to make the opposite case to, to what I just said and and you know say they do sign him. I think everyone's been shocked by the way, by the fact that we're one and six, right? And there's a couple of games could have gone either way, whatever. It, it is what it is. If, if the biggest reason that we have fallen off this cliff, and, and everyone seems to say the same thing and point towards the same player as, as sort of like the, the beacon of what's gone wrong, it's Carl Van Noy. Um, you know, it, then you have to believe they're not actually that far away from fixing it because not that much changed. You know, we didn't we didn't see massive turnover in the roster. Um, and I, I've been saying for a few weeks, everyone wants to complain that we don't spend well in free agency and then we cut those players. And everyone wants to say that we don't draft well, even though we got all those picks and we didn't draft well. So what has this team done well? And why did it go, a team that everyone predicted to win nothing managed to win five games. Why did they then make the jump to 10 games? They can't be that far away from putting it back together. Um, if you if you want an experienced coaching staff, then maybe they are a few players away and you pay Ogba and you fix the problem. I, I'd love to say I know exactly what that problem is. I don't. Yeah. But I just I just fail to believe that not enough change from this year to last year that, that it's gone this badly wrong. I think Ogba's in the top three free agent signings this coaching staff's made. Um, but I also don't think they signed him with the intention of him being a top three free agent that he's, that they signed. They signed him because he was a bargain edge rusher <laughs> at the time that we needed an edge rusher. I think he's on like six million a year. That guy's looking at, I don't know, 13, 14 million a year after this season. He's, he's proved he can get to the passer. He's proved he can do it on a bang average team and he's proved that he can still do it now when we're one on six. He's the main rush threat off the edge for the Dolphins this season. So I think there's value in the trade. I don't know what it is. Is it a third round pick? Possibly. Maybe like, because of the contract situation it's probably less. But like again, if you can get it, get it. I just don't see the, the reason to kind of hold all these people all these players right now when we're just you know, I know what you're both saying about want to see what Tua is doing with the receivers and stuff, I get it. But if you can get stuff for this, some of these de- uh, defensive players and when we've got young guys coming through in the same positions, then it just feels like a sensible thing to do. Well, then you're giving all of these players away for draft picks that the current regime have proved that they are not capable of drafting well, effectively. Yeah. I mean, 2021 is, is, is looking like it's going to be a good year, but 2020, is it was obviously... Potentially might look the opposite, depending on whether you gauge tour success or not. So, do you really trust this front office to to make best use of all these draft picks? Because if they don't, then you're up shit creek without a paddle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of hypothetical, hypothetical question at the moment, isn't it? I mean, like it, I think I think somebody loses a job at the end of this season, but um, or even sooner. But I don't know who. I think I think it's probably part of the bigger question, and whether you fundamentally believe this team is. Is salvageable, or if, if or if you're going re- rebuild, because that's that's really what we're asking here. Because the players we're talking about are getting rid of a really big contract on older players, um, you know, and, and picking up whatever value we can, which puts you in rebuild mode. That you know, it automatically does. We already know that the running backs room needs needs work, even if you're not getting rid of what's there. The wide receiver room needs rebuilding. So does the O line room. Like, it, 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 so if you're going to go full rebuild mode, then I think. 
you know that that's a that's a very conscious decision and basically everyone's up for sale i, I don't think there's yeah. anyone i mean to be honest last year's draft is obviously safe um i think for me the quarterback is safe because i'm i, I don't want to say i'm a, a complete tour believer i just i just believe in giving him the chance to fail but like actually fail not fail because the media says he has because right now everything says that he's succeeding and i'm willing to let that play out so, other than the quarterback, pretty much everything else is up up for sale. From you know, if if you're in that mindset, a mate of mine has just texted to say, and I don't know how accurate this is, but he thinks Pro Football Talk have just alluded to the fact that a Watson trade could happen today. So we're we're recording this on Tuesday, and you just know we're going to start recording, and it's going to happen as soon as we start recording because that's happened before to us hasn't it so. it has it has but I, I just oh, I can't see it let, let, let's not dive too deep into that um, just because it's just every week isn't it but uh, go on Lee you make a point I've got I've got a, a, a slightly different point to make after this point. sorry yeah I've just got a, a Watson point on the on the trade possibly happening tonight yeah. I think there are some other teams that it now becomes way more yeah like when, when the season started Miami made the most sense for Deshaun Watson I still don't think it made the most sense for Miami but it made the most sense for Deshaun Watson things have changed a lot because we're one and six and look bad like there's teams out there Sam Darnold gets benched Carolina makes a lot more sense and they're not on yeah. the hook for a lot for Sam Darnold the, the Broncos the Chiefs have stumbled something terrible the Raiders are playing well but they're now without coach that could go either way like Let's be honest, that season went down the toilet. You also wouldn't be surprised. Denver actually now have a chance. The Chargers are good, but you know, there's the you've got a chance to be competitive. You won games to start the season where maybe they overperform. That that could be your long-term answer. And you're in a division where you've got at least three good quarterbacks right now. You know, so maybe that you know, I just think they make more sense now. And I think when you see the Miami stuff, nothing's really changed. It's all Watson wave his trade clause. He said that months and months ago. It's, nothing's changed. He's just not said he's going to change it for anyone else yet. And I don't, he can't because it's tampering. Like he can't actually come out and say anything. It's all rumors yeah. and crap. So you know, I just yeah, it might be imminent. I just think there's now other teams it makes more sense for than us. Yeah, I, I actually agree on on all counts. Um, I was going to say, interestingly, I wonder if we get rid of. Flores and some of the other coaching staff and do you think we go full circle and go back to a team that's willing to throw money at free agents because I think we there's a strong possibility we do I think the ownership will have seen what it's like when you try and get go for the youth movement got big uh, like available cap space next year that's why I think I wonder if like we shift some of these players that we've been talking about, getting a few picks so we can kind of fill, get a couple of filler players to to give depth to the roster. And then you go out and splash big cash, you pay some O-line man. You know, if, if two is still the guy, you, you, you throw money at the O-line across the board, you bring in a couple of big name receivers, you've got the likes of Chris Godwin and stuff coming back on the market. Do you go and do that? I know that? That's where it feels like would be the next step. Do you go and pay Doug Peterson a lot of money to come and be the offensive head coach that you've kind of been lacking for a while? I just, uh, you know, that that kind of makes sense to me as, a, as what would happen if we do go down that route. And we'll discuss this in coming weeks. We've not got time to go into the whole what happens with the coaching staff right now. But 
that just keeps coming to mind with me. And that's why going back to the trade thing, I think we just we do sell quite a lot of these guys and and then that move's made and and, and we go forward again with uh, uh, and do it a lot differently than, than we're doing now. That's my thought. Yeah, I anyway. agree. I agree with you actually, Andy. I think the only way they can even think about um, getting on a par to what we had last season was to um, throw money at the O-line and the wide receiver core because clearly they can't build it any other way. So what alternative is there? And, and they're the two glaring needs at first glance in terms of what needs to be fixed on that roster. And I think they can't all fix it in the draft. So they're going to have to spend some money. I completely agree that I would spend money, but I'd spend it for this coaching staff. Because they've shown when, when they can get it right, it, it works. Can they? I, can, I don't think these coaching staff wants to spend the money, though. That's the difference, isn't it? If you see what that, I mean. But that's where the GM needs to do his job. Like You can agree with the coach as much as you want, but the buck stops with you. Because as a GM, if, if Flores says, I prefer Her- Herbert over Tua, and you select Tua, that's still your fault. You, you decided to go against him, or you decided to agree with him. But if you agree with him, it's still your decision because you let it happen. So, you know, I just think Greer would need to grow some, some balls and say, right, okay, I'm going to pump the money in here. Deal with it. This is what I'm giving you. Brian Flores, we, we know, plays the best guys that are on, on the team most of the time, with the exception of Mike Asiki for whatever reason that is. But anyway, like, you, you know, but usually the best player plays regardless of, of contract. If you stuffed a team full of expensive players that are good, he'll probably end up playing them. He won't like it, but he's going to do it. So, Yeah, it's an interesting one. Let's get into it in, in the next few weeks if we still uh, keep going uh, down the loss route. Um, go on, if you're going to go. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do a Bills preview, really. I'm just going to ask for score predictions because we're out of time. But I just on. had a quick question for both of you. Would Is there anyone you would buy at the trade deadline? Or are you only selling? I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, it's difficult. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, someone like, do you know who, who keeps coming to mind for me? Somebody like Marcus May from the Jets. And that's because I just, again, it's the whole second. You still want point. safety help. Yeah. Well, that, and I, I don't really want a lot of safety help. Jevon Holland's not really good, but I think that one-two punch would be excellent. Secondary, once to keep strength in the secondary, you know, just all, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. Sorry, go on, sorry. Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. he's, not, he's on IR, isn't he? So. He is, but you can, I think you can still trade for players on IR. Yeah. I believe. I think. Um, they so change I would, Yeah, I would. I would try and get him back. Yep. Yeah, wonder what that'd cost. I'm going running back shopping. So well, we've gone shopping, mate. We've got Duke Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going for an actual running back. Yeah, who? <laughs> who? Lee, who would you, you target specifically? One of the same guys that I brought up in the off season. I've thrown the Giants without Saquon Barkley. Yeah, He's on a bad team anyway. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I say I'm willing to go balls to the wall, like go all in and see what happens. You know, it's not going to save this season. It, this is not about saving this season. This is this is long term. Um, and if I don't want to draft running backs high, then I'll have to go buy one. And I'm not buying be, one that um, hits the market because he hit the market for a reason. That'll be fun when uh, he plays around this O line, wouldn't it? So. Yeah, I, just, I mean, we get one game a year, but it'd be a great game. Yeah, but it, <laughs> hey, it'd be awesome, right? It would be awesome. Yeah, fair, fair yeah. point. I was, I was going to say you're, you're effectively trading for a player who, who's very similar to the wide receiver core, and he's always seems to be injured. So yeah, I think 
I think it probably helps to to get someone into a new scenario. I tell you, I tell you my comparison, not necessarily for playing style, but for like you say, the, the injury history is Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush was awesome in Miami. Reggie Bush was pretty healthy in Miami, where before that and after that he had nothing but problems. And I think that sunshine and natural turf is good for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Bill's predictions. Uh, let's just go straight to that. We're, we've got the Bills in Buffalo. It's probably going to be a bloodbath, but Lee's going to tell us we're going to win, so I'm going to come to him last. Sorry. <laughs> I think the Bills are going to win. I don't see, uh, unless Tua has one a similar game to how he's played over the last couple of weeks, I don't think there's any way the Dolphins can win. Um, so I think the Bills, the, the likelihood is the Bills are going to win. In terms of a score, I'll probably go 31-10. Yeah, I'm going to go 38 to 17. I think it's going to be pretty one-sided. But um, if we get 17 points in Buffalo, and they're good, uh, good 17 points, <laughs> I'll come away. I won't be too disappointed. But this is this feels really negative, doesn't it? After the where we were before the season, but if we can put up a few points, I'll be happy. Go on, Lee. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go on. Do you want to go before Lee go tells us we're going to win? Yeah, I was just going to say, remind zero. everyone, um, the clock's changed this weekend, so the kickoff for the Buffalo game is at 5pm, not 6pm this weekend. Although well, you, well, you might want to tune in at 6pm and just miss the first hour, <laughs> yeah. don't you? Yeah, That's yeah, also yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, on, I'm actually going to say, A, it'd be the most Dolphins thing ever to go and win in Buffalo. That means our two wins this year so far would be on the road in New England and on the road in Buffalo. Like both places where historically no one goes and wins anyway, especially yeah. Dolphins teams. Um, and I also think the Bills, the Bills have looked great in a couple of games. The Bills have also looked really shaky in a couple of games. Like there's been some times that you've seen you one Josh Allen turn up a little bit. You know, I thought the game they played in Miami wasn't good. I thought it was bookended well, but they played basically the same way we did. We're in the middle of the game. It was pretty rubbish football in general. Um, and hell, why not? Why why not go out there and win? And say I say it would just be it'd be typical because then we can we can come on next week and, and and basically be down about well how the hell are we two and six but the wins you know we we go and beat Buffalo the same way the Jets went and beat Tennessee. You, do you know what I mean? I, I mean, it, let's be honest, it's now become a trap game for the Bills. It, it, it certainly could be. Um, so I'm going to live on that confidence and I know come Sunday morning I will convince myself again that we can win because I do that every Sunday what's the score mate that's what we need um, don't care if we win it does, doesn't matter 55 nil I'm going to put you down now so I can tweet that out put it down um, <laughs> but yeah I, I just think you know at this stage I'm not getting too upset about the losses just trying to be a little bit more not over analysed but, but take Take the, the performance as a whole, like the, the whole tour performance last week is what you're looking at, not the individual. His three plays, his, his two good ones and a bad one. And, you know, the, the best tweet ever was Omar Kelly's when, when he threw the second pick, the end of the tour era in Miami. Like, the dude threw a pick. Like, you, you, you would have thought he'd gone out and Roger Stephen Ross's wife. Like, what, what the hell? Like, that, that's how you overreact to something. A friend of mine sent it through to me. I was like, dude, chill out. The fact that he threw a pick and we're behind just gives you every chance to come back. Tua comes back on the field, doesn't miss another pass for the rest of the game, puts us in front. Like That's all yeah. That's all we've ever wanted from a quarterback. 
Uh, Andy, you know you used to tweet out those little video clips of the podcast to entice the Twitter <laughs> listeners to um, listen to the full episode. Maybe that that little rant from Lee there needs to be that <laughs> clip this week. I mean, I'll try and make it happen. That is no problem at all. Um, right, that'll that'll do for this week. Uh, slightly longer. Sorry, you're going to wrap me up with some some information or something. Hit me, hit me. Yeah, I'm going to wrap you up with a stat. Did you know the Dolphins are 6-0 and on Halloween? So we'll have okay. to see what kind of horror show they give give us this week. <laughs> there you go. That is that is our exit music for this week, is Sai with the Halloween joke. We love it. Thanks for listening as always, guys. Uh, stay positive. You know, it's only football. <laughs>